0: more to those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces wherever you may be and to our members and guests here at beautiful savior lutheran in milwaukee grace be to you and peace from god our father and from our lord and savior jesus christ amen Word of God, upon which we base our message this morning, actually is a reflection on both the Gospel and the Old Testament reading. The Gospel and Old Testament reading you heard read before, I recall just these words. After the days required by Moses' teaching to make a mother clean had passed, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem. They took Jesus to present him to the Lord. So far the word. In the name of Jesus Christ, the newborn King, my beloved. So it's the Sunday after Christmas. We all know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a stable in a manger for you and for me. Then what? What? Today's gospel, which is the basis for our message this morning, tells us what happened to Jesus when he was eight days old and when he was 40 days old. Or if you say that uh, Jesus really was born on December 25th, the words before us tell us what happened to Jesus on January 1st and on February 2nd. Now, since Jesus was a firstborn son, and that fact is of great significance in our message for this morning, I would like to ask any of you gathered here this morning, if you are a firstborn son, or the only son, the firstborn son in your family, that means uh, ladies, sorry, you're excluded. You have to be a firstborn son. This is only for the oldest in the family guys. Raise your hand. Pastor is one. Oh, we had more than I thought. Firstborn sons. The Old Testament, that designation of being a firstborn son was really special. First of all, we take a look at what happened to Jesus on January 1st. On the eighth day, he was not baptized because he hadn't instituted baptism yet, but he was circumcised. It was done at home, usually by a rabbi or a priest. And uh, Mary and Joseph now were out of the stable and uh, into a house somewhere in Bethlehem. At a baby's circumcision, His name was received or given to him. And so Jesus was named actually in the language of the day, Yeshua. Very much like Joshua, which means the Lord saves. That ceremony of circumcision was first of all commanded to Abraham 2,000 years before the birth of Christ and then repeated to Moses in the Levitical laws as they were at the foot of Mount Sinai 1,500 years before Christ. And it was a command which, again, provided with the, the Israelites a visual aid. And it was telling the people that only by blood and by the pain of a male do you gain entrance into God's family. Now, the only way I think that... Uh, the little girls gained entrance into God's family, I think, was through the circumcision of their dad. The irony is that Jesus did not need to gain entry into God's family. He is God. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But already in infancy, eight days old, Jesus experiences pain and sheds his blood. And it was all part of Jesus' humiliation because he was now being treated as any other sinful boy who had to gain entrance into God's family. In fact, you know, Jesus was already humiliated in his conception. Oh, everybody was whispering, you know, uh, Mary's pregnant out of wedlock. And then he was humiliated at his birth. I mean, to be born in a barn, the king of kings... And now he was being humiliated once again in his circumcision being treated like any old sinner that had to become a member of God's family. And then, after Jesus' circumcision, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple, which was probably about just six miles away in Jerusalem from Bethlehem, for Mary's purification ceremony. God's Old Testament designated laws, again, that he gave through Moses, said that a woman was considered unclean or not presentable and could not enter the, the, uh, the outer courts of the temple for a certain uh, number of days after she gave birth. If she gave birth to a son, she was considered unclean for 40 days, and if she gave birth to a little girl, she was considered unclean for 80 days, after which then she was supposed to go to the temple for the ceremony of purification. And when they would go, God told them, you sacrifice a lamb. And then you will be clean once again. Unless you're really poor, then you can sacrifice two turtle doves. And so this shows us that Mary and Joseph didn't have much money at all. Notice how exactly Mary and Joseph kept the laws of God. Mary didn't wait 41 days, 42 days, 50 days. You probably could have. She went there right on the 40th day. Another reason for Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple is that He was a firstborn son. Now, firstborn sons were something very special. And as such, they had to be presented or dedicated to the Lord in the temple. The firstborn son was always a reminder of the power and the mercy of God. 1,500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, God did some real miraculous things. He got his people out of slavery. They had been slaves to the Egyptians for 420 years. There, they grew to be a great, powerful nation, but God wanted them out. He wanted to give them their promised land. But the king said, no, you're not going. We like you. You're slaves for us. And so God sent a number of plagues. You know some of them, gnats and boils and hail. And each time after it was over and the Egyptians had suffered a little bit, the king said, no, you can't go. Moses said, the Lord says, let my people go. Finally, God sent the 10th plague. God said, I'm going to send the angel of death. And the angel of death is going to kill every firstborn male, both animals and humans. Accept, my people, if you follow my commands, and kill a one-year-old male lamb gather its blood, skin it, leave it whole, paint the blood on your doorposts of your house, stay inside, eat that roasted lamb. And when the angel of death comes to kill the firstborn son, he won't kill your firstborn sons or your animals. The angel will pass over. That's how they got the Passover. The firstborn was spared. The death, blood, and consumption of a male lamb saved the firstborn. We heard it in the Old Testament reading for this morning in Exodus 13. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, Set apart every firstborn male for me. What that meant was, if you had a firstborn uh, bull or a firstborn male sheep, God says, That's mine. You have to sacrifice it. You can't have it. You sacrifice it, kill it, give it to me. If you have some unclean animals that are the firstborn males that you can't sacrifice to me, then sacrifice a goat or a sheep. And if you don't, then you've got to kill that donkey because they're all mine as a reminder to you of my power and my mercy in, the, in the Egypt when I killed the firstborn but spared you. Now, when it came to the little baby boys, the firstborn, God said, uh, they're going to be dedicated to me for full-time service. Uh, Except I've got some priests that do full-time service in the uh, temple, so they're going to be substitutes for the firstborn sons. But you present those sons to the Lord at the temple and dedicate them to me. Every time a firstborn son was presented to the Lord at the temple, people were were remembering the Passover. God's mighty power to deliver through killing the firstborn and his mercy to spare the firstborn of his people. I thought about it. Isn't it really ironical how Jesus was a firstborn son, but his father didn't spare him. He gave him up for us all. And Jesus was not saved by a lamb. Jesus was the firstborn and the lamb in one. And yet he submits himself to dedication and the ceremony of redemption in the temple. Circumcision, the eighth day. Purification, the 40th day. Jesus' dedication, also the 40th day. Why? Scripture says, uh, St. Paul speaking to the Galatians says, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons of the firstborn. Sometimes I think we forget about the great exchange. We mentioned it in the hymn that we sang before the sermon this morning. One of the central truths of Holy Scripture is the great exchange. God says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Don't try real hard and then hope for the best. You have to be perfect in everything that you do and everything you say. In what? Remember the epistle for this morning? As holy people whom God has chosen and loved, be be sympathetic and kind and humble and gentle and patient and be that perfectly. Have you been perfect? I know I haven't. And that warrants eternal death in hell. But Jesus submitted himself to all of God's laws perfectly. That's why he came. Scripture tells us, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many were made righteous, holy. The writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. Jesus lived perfectly for us, and he gave us his perfection. He died innocently for us as punishment for our sins. In other words, he gets our sins and he gives us our holy, his holiness, and that's the great exchange, and that's how you get right with God. A little baby comes to his temple for the first time, not even a month and a half old, to be perfect for us. Now you have to listen carefully. Remember at the beginning of the sermon, I asked all the guys who were the firstborn males to raise their hands. Listen to this. Because Jesus was perfect, the writer to the Hebrews says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the assembly of the, church, of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. God decrees all of you to be firstborn children. You are all spared by the blood of the Lamb. You are all dedicated to a life of service to the Lord Jesus. Made perfect by that little baby boy in the temple. So now, if you are a firstborn, raise both of your hands. I mean it. If you are a firstborn, raise both of your hands. You are all firstborn now. Raise your hands. Both of your hands. Now, I know that we're not Afri- an African-American congregation and we're not Pentecostals. But at the count of three, I want, with your hands raised, I want you to say, Alleluia, praise the Lord. One, two, three. Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you firstborn. Amen. As all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty Whose kingdom will have no end and I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified who spoke by the prophets and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic Church I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes, our offerings, and our connection cards.